0: Hello, everyone. Dave Sattler here, one of the pastors at North Shore Alliance Church, and I want to say thank you for joining us today in person. And for those who are watching online, it's great to be together. A major theme of the book of Isaiah and of the entire Bible and of the Christian story itself is this. Salvation can only come to humanity from outside of this world. From outside this world... Rescue for humanity is delivered by none other than God himself. The prophet Isaiah has eyes on a new king, one who'd far surpass any leader this world has ever seen. God himself, Jesus, would come down from heaven to earth to penetrate the darkness with God's incredible light. This is the message of Christmas. God the Son, Jesus, truly is our light In the darkness. Today, we continue our Advent series rooted in the writings of the prophet Isaiah, written seven or eight hundred years before Christ. Like I said last week, during the time of Isaiah, Assyria was led by Sennacherib, one of the most terrifying and powerful kings in history. The people of God lived under constant threat of Assyrian invasion, occupation, and rule. And surprisingly, this was in part God's doing. Why would God permit such a thing? Well, clue is found in some words the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 8, 7 and 8. Because the people had rejected the Lord, Isaiah says this, "'Therefore the Lord is about to bring against them "'the mighty floodwaters of the Euphrates, "'the king of Assyria with all his pomp. "'It will overflow all its channels.'" Run over all its banks and sweep on into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, and reaching up to its neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land, Emmanuel. The ancient Assyrian empire was located between the Tigris and Euphrates River. Mighty floodwaters is a poetic way of describing the overwhelming power of the Assyrian army under Sennacherib and God allows this enemy onslaught as a call to Israel to repent. The chief way the people had rejected God was by looking to and relying upon other earthly powers. Isaiah 8 continues, When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? "'Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. "'If anyone does not speak, speak according to this word, "'they have no light of dawn. "'Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. "'When they are famished, they will become enraged, "'and looking upward, we cursed, their king and their God. "'Then they will look toward the earth "'and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, "'and they will be thrust into utter darkness.'" The people hadn't leaned on God for protection against Assyria. Instead, they'd looked toward the earth, consulting other dark powers in the spiritual realm, mediums and spiritists, while altogether ignoring God's instruction. And this is where the gloom and darkness of Isaiah chapter 9 originates, which leads us to our discussion question for today. I want you to turn to someone and tell about a time when you experienced darkness. It could be physical darkness, spiritual darkness, or metaphorical darkness. Whatever it is, I invite you to turn to someone near you. Uh, I'm doing this most weeks now because I think we need to connect with one another a little bit more, and this is what we do at Coffee Time, and it's an important part of our coffee. I know some of you cringe, and you don't like talking to other people. You didn't come to church to talk to people, but I encourage you, turn to someone and discuss this question. Tell of a time when you experience darkness. You'll enjoy it. You really will. Go for it. Okay, come on back. See, it wasn't that bad. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9. This is our text for Christmas season, Advent 2023 here at North Shore Alliance Church. Let's read it again together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah deploys a list of titles typically associated with Israel's kings to illustrate the absolute majesty of the coming Messiah. And today we focus on the second title, the prophet Isaiah ascribes to Jesus, our coming king, mighty God. Isaiah's message, through the incarnation, through God becoming flesh in Jesus, God's power will be displayed to all humanity. Let's pause for a moment to open our hearts to what God might want to speak to us today through his word. God, I thank you for these incredible words of hope that were written thousands of years ago. And we've seen the other side of these words. Jesus, thank you so much for coming to earth to rescue us. God, I ask now that you come and move me out of the way and come and speak to us by your spirit. Mighty God, God, Would you challenge us? Would you comfort us today? Holy Spirit, would you come and apply the truth of your word to each of our hearts? You know what we need, Spirit of God. And we ask that you would have your way in our hearts. We pray that you would help us to tune our voices and hearts in. God, we pray that you would come and speak to us now. We are hungry to hear from you. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Throughout the Old Testament, this term mighty is commonly used to describe the sheer power, politically, governmentally, militarily, of ancient monarchs. These Old Testament kings are valiant warriors, strong men, champions, lions of power and might. However, we see a shift in the use of the word mighty from the Old Testament to the New. In the New Testament, mighty, or dunamis, the Greek word from which we get the English word dynamite is primarily employed to describe the miraculous power of God displayed in Jesus, seen in his mighty miracles and in his powerful mission through the church. That's why one of the nicknames Jesus is given is Mighty Lion of Judah. Psalm 62 finds King David in an unenviable position. He's under attack from his own son, the exiled prince Absalom, and he needs protection. And David writes Psalm 62 from this place. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts, to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increased, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, And with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. There are no perfect safety nets in our world. Armies, governments, social services, the Canadian dream, even our own families cannot be for us the fortresses that we hope them to be. Every attempt to control or manipulate life through social status or the wielding of riches or human power is useless. Our distorted loves and our misuses of power only make a royal mess of things. Psalm 62 reminds us that the Lord is our mighty rock. God always offers us a place of refuge under his care, even in the heat of the battle. God alone is our fortress. We best find peace under his protection. Why? It says because power belongs to him. And with him is unfailing love. This perfect, beautiful balance of power and love wonderfully present in Jesus is sorely missing in every other human expression of leadership. Jesus is our fortress. That God would choose to make his way into our world through a young Middle Eastern woman throws our power structures into a tizzy. In in, in Luke chapter one, Mary says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Do you hear what Mary's saying? God is mindful of the lowly, she says. God brings down the proud, those who put their trust in social position or riches or power, but God lifts up the humble, turns our world power structures upside down. For centuries, humans have tried to conquer death, There's a middle-aged man in California right now who claims he's found the secret to reversing the aging process. Perhaps you've heard of him. His $2 million per year regime includes receiving blood transfusions from his young son, not eating food in the afternoons, taking a ton of pills, and hooking himself up to lots of machines that apparently tell his body not to age. Sadly, he says this, My left ear is 54, but my brain is 18. Well, that explains a lot. (laughs) When Jesus turns up at Bethany to the house of Lazarus, he's missed the death of his friend. There's no question Lazarus is dead. It's been four whole days. And then when Lazarus' sister, Mary and Martha, chastise Jesus for showing up late, he says... It's for a far greater impact. In John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Jesus then raises Lazarus from the dead, manifesting himself as the resurrection and the life. And later, rising from the dead himself, Jesus proves he is the vanquisher of humanity's greatest obstacle, Death itself, Jesus, and only Jesus, has ultimate power. Well, it's time now to land the plane on some application points. I offer three again for us today. One challenge and two comforts. The first challenge is this. We must not rely on human power alone. Built in the 11th century, Kolditz is a Renaissance castle near Leipzig in Germany. Since the castle is situated on a steep hill and a rocky outcrop, the Germans believed it to be an ideal site for a high-security prison. Surprisingly, though, Kolditz has one of the greatest records of successful escape attempts. During World War II, the German army employed the towering castle to hold its most defiant Allied prisoners. And for four years, these prisoners of the castle tested its walls and its guards with ingenious escape attempts that have become legend. I'm going to share a few with you today. Memorable ones include escape by catapult over the fence, escape by glider, like stockpiling supplies wherever they could find it and building a glider and flying out of the place, escape by disguise. That was interesting, and of course, Escaped by endless tunneling. But there's one particular cunning prisoner, Lieutenant Paul Allen, a five-foot-four-inch wee Scotsman, and he escaped by having himself sewn into a rotting mattress that was carted off to the dump with him in it. Well, history proves that Coldit's Castle was not the impregnable fortress many believed it to be. Judges 7 tells the story of Gideon leading the army of Israel into battle against the Midianites, their formidable opponent. And do you know the battle plan? It's nuts. Gideon assembles 22,000 soldiers, only for God to tell him, you have too many men. I heard the referee say that to the Canucks last night. You have too many men. (laughs) I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel would boast against me, our own strength has saved us. So, at God's command, Gideon marches into battle with only 100 men. And the result? All the Midianites ran away in defeat, it says. And Isaiah references Gideon's story here in chapter 9, verse 4. Perhaps you caught it. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, God, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Instead of powering up or attempting to take justice into our own hands, we must learn to trust God to fight our battles for us. Money, sex, power, fame, status, success. These pursuits drive our world. It's easy to have a codependent relationship with power. Hunger for power seems to come so naturally to most of us. Yet, Our blatant self-interest and our blind ambition often trip us up. When we shoot for power, we only hurt ourselves and those all around us. So what are you banking on? What do you rely on for strength in your life? When challenging situations come your way, and they will, on what or whom will you truly depend? On what or whom will you pin your hopes? Hard work? Business or career success, possessions, wealth, your position, your gifts, your charm, your brilliance, your health, your family, your friends. Now, all of these are good things, but the security they provide is only temporary, not eternal. This is what Isaiah is driving at. There is only one source of power that we humans can rely on fully, Jesus, our mighty God. True And lasting power only belongs to him. And we best attach ourselves to Jesus. Second application point this morning is this. Jesus, our mighty God, lifts up the powerless. Perhaps today you find yourself in church in a low place. Our world has a way of trampling the vulnerable. Some of you are suffering. You've been a victim of abuse or injustice. For others, due to health or life circumstance, your social status feels very low at the moment. You may even feel lost in the system. Or maybe you're far away from home and you found it difficult to break in here on the North Shore or even in our church. And you feel alone and it's a battle. To those who feel invisible or powerless today, God says this I have your back. Justice is mine. Injustice will not prevail. To those among us feeling vulnerable or alone today, please be assured of this. You are not forgotten. Mighty God loves you and sees you. Glorify him and rejoice in him as your savior and in his time, God will lift you up. This side of eternity, there's lots we don't know, we can't know. Reality is all of our finances, our relationships, our health challenges, our struggles, our needs are in God's hands, and he is more than capable. Recently, I've told this story before, but it's such a powerful story. Recently, I was convicted by the testimony of a congregant who came forward to receive prayer one Sunday. Her needs were great, her housing inadequate, her chronic pain immense, and she was in a vulnerable state. Yet, when I asked her, how can I pray for her for you? She said this. These days, God has been teaching me to pray different prayers. Well, I leaned in. She went on. I don't think God wants me to just pray, take my pain away. But I also sense I'm to pray, God, help me in the pain. To humbly accept what you want to teach me. About yourself. About myself. About life. And about eternity. Wow. This woman's sense of powerlessness was driving her to lean on Jesus intimately, even to the point of praying different prayers. It's beautiful to see such power in her simple act of faith. And I was convicted. And when we come to accept our lack of control, our powerlessness, and God's mighty power to do things, this is when his calm can descend. When God, the son Jesus, came as a humble, powerless baby, born to a vulnerable teenage girl, he brought with him all the power of the eternal kingdom to earth. And now Jesus makes this same power available to all who put their trust in him. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians chapter one, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. This is incredible. As Christ's followers, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. We possess a mighty spiritual treasure that's so powerful, even death cannot conquer it. Friends, let's think about the impossible situations that we're up against today. At home, at work, at school, in our world. And let's trust Jesus and his mighty power. People of North Shore Alliance Church, we've been through a lot these past few months. Some of us are feeling weak, vulnerable, low. And I believe the Lord wants us to know he is right here with us. Jesus, our mighty God, is still moving among us in power, protecting us, guiding us, lifting us, and absolutely nothing can stop Jesus. Third and final Application point is this. Jesus, our mighty God, has our future in his hands. In Hebrew, the name Isaiah literally means the Lord will save. Salvation in the book of Isaiah has special reference to deliverance from Assyria, Israel's present danger of the time. But Isaiah is literature of a prophetic genre. And its intent is to point God's people ahead to a day in which they can anticipate a future blessing in the first coming of jesus seven or eight hundred years later and ultimately in jesus second coming to which we still look forward the lord will save now in part and down the road in full and this the concept of eagerly awaiting God's future blessing is a key facet of the Christian faith, meant to infuse the people of God with ongoing hope amidst our present darkness. Now, Sally shares her testimony this morning. We've been doing one minute testimonies here over the Christmas season. Sally shares her testimony now via video. Let's watch together. Why
1: I know Him as a God of strength, power, kindness, compassion, and goodness, always at work in my life, no matter the circumstances. From the day my precious nine-year-old little girl, Chanel, passed away earlier this year, through all the sadness, tears, despair, panic, and loneliness, God has nestled me in the palm of His hand. Whether it feels like that or not, always working for my good. His outstretched arm is always there for me to cling on to. With so many years of experiencing God's faithfulness in every situation of my life, I can rest in the knowledge that there is a future and a hope for each of us, no matter how difficult our circumstances and how impossible it seems to find joy. As I anticipate the Christmas season, with God's help, I will choose to intentionally look for the working of Almighty God in my life, to declare his goodness, to express gratitude, and to depend on his strength every day.
0: Thank you, Sally, for sharing your story. No matter how difficult our present circumstance, we can fully trust in the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus, our mighty God. The story of Christmas reminds us that there is always more to look forward to. With Jesus, our Savior, in view, there is always promise of joy on the horizon. It's why Revelation 21 verse 4 says this, of eternity God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Mm -hmm. The Christian story proclaims with great joy that our current struggles are not the end of the story. Because God the Son Jesus has come to earth, we have hope both in this life and beyond. Death has lost its sting, and one day Jesus, our mighty God, will make all things right, just, and new again. Amen. Amen. I invite the worship team now to come, and as we worship together, there will be prayer ministry available over here and up in the balcony. If you would like prayer, I encourage you, please come forward. Uh, Isabel will be over here, and we would love to pray with you or pray for you before you leave today. Let's stand to worship together.